The forgotten roads are filled with terrible monsters. Taking up Chase and sending them back to hell? That's in your blood. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Jamie about her game, Medusa's Marauders. Play as a group, with or without a game master, or play alone as you embark with your biker club, Medusa's Marauders, to send the spawn of hell back to where they came from. We talk about designing different types of play, motorcycles, and powerful women. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am excited to be talking about one of the coolest games I've seen in a really long time, and joining me to talk about that is Jamie. Jamie, thank you so much for coming onto the show this week to talk about Medusa's Marauders. Thank you so much for having me. I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> I was super excited when you, you mentioned that a little while ago. I had no idea, and... I am such a fan of this game. I, I know I messaged you on Twitter and I said, like, we're going to get into it because it's one of the coolest spellcrafting systems I've seen. And the core system that you use builds really well off of the themes in Medusa's Marauders. And I'm I'm so excited to talk about this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, Jamie, before we really get into it, can you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Okay, so uh, I am a uh, chaos nightmare. No, um, no. So I I um I got started in TTRPGs, uh, like many people, with D and D. I actually contributed on one of the bigger like uh, indie projects called Uncaged Anthology. I remember that. Yeah, which was all about, like, reclaiming um, monsters who are either women or coded in some sort of feminine way. Um, Mm -hmm. Reclaiming them and giving them new stories. um, Uh Kind of giving them their own stories. Um, So I did writing, editing, and... uh, a couple other behind-the-scenes stuff for uh, volumes two, three, and four, um, and I did a a couple spin-off projects related to that. Um, then I stopped. I stopped for like a couple years, mm-hmm. and uh, my then mother-in-law was uh, asking me about tabletop role-playing games, and I was like how can i how can i show her what tabletop role playing games are all about yeah and um by then i was not interested in dungeons and dragons i was a mm-hmm. little burned out on it so what i did is i made a game just for her um, okay i i made a game just for her uh called our hero neighbors about uh community collaboration and cooperation uh in a small town and i gave it to her on hanukkah and you know that that was sort of like what started it and um Mm -hmm. yeah that's so sweet you know i try (laughs) (laughs) 
I've never heard of somebody writing a tabletop game as a gift to teach somebody, but I think that is adorable. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it was also um, because I was listening to friends at the table at the time, and they were playing Scum and Villainy. I basically mm. made a Forged in the Dark game, but it was a oh. lot more simple, right? Yeah. So it was very rules light. You might even say it was a Forged in the Light. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, so that was, you know, I'm pretty proud of that. And uh, it uh, it's in a couple of bundles. So like if you're mm-hmm. like listening and you're like, you know, oh, I, I want to see what that what that's like. Well, it's in it was in the bundle for racial justice and equality. It was in it might have been in the the bundle for uh for Palestinian children. Okay. But anyways, it's in a couple bundles, so before you before you pick it up, like just check it you know, if you got those bundles. Yeah, see if you have it already. Also I have community copies for people and I'm not here to you know, uh, we we say a cab in this house, so I'm not gonna police you. Just just take a community copy. Yeah, that's fair. And that game has a totally different tone from the game we're gonna be talking about today, right? Which is almost Medusa's polar Marauders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I fucking love this game. So, can you tell the audience a little bit about what Medusa's Marauders is? Absolutely. It is biker dyke spell slingers riding on forgotten highways, sending the forces of hell back to where they belong, fighting off the encroachment of, you know, the forces of hell and and other, you know, both natural and supernatural forces that that Mm -hmm. are trying to give us all a bad time. Yeah. It's dark and gritty, and the systems that it is built on complement it so well. And, like, I just, I need to on-air, because I've already sung its praise off-air, but just kudos to this. It's so well-written. I read this one word for word. I, I know I told you that, but, audience, I I read this entire thing front to back, usually when I am reviewing or looking through a copy to to ask questions i'll i'll skim sections and after reading the intro i was like well i'm in it for the long haul i sat down and read the entire book in a night it was wild it's been a long time since i've done that (laughs) that means a lot coming from you because you have (laughs) a lot of amazing people on on the show and their games are incredible i mean I, I think every one is, is a winner. Uh, definitely worth checking out. So yeah. you to say that about my game is is high praise indeed. <laughs> so let's get a little bit into that system though, Jamie. Can you tell the audience what the system is based on and some of the more interesting features that it encompasses? Oh, absolutely. Um, so it is a Driven by Harmony game. Uh, Driven by Harmony is a system created by uh, Cat McDonald slash P. 
Peach Garden Games. Um, and it was created for uh, a game called Heroic Chord, which mm-hmm. is like a um, like a music magic game. Um, all about like combining notes to make magic. Yeah. Um, and so what I did with the driven by harmony system is I, I said to myself, okay, I really dig this concept of having pieces of spells that you combine as represented by words Uh and i said so how can i how can i make that into something that really feels gritty right Uh um and so you know i toyed around with a couple of different things um and you know uh I started like I kind of like went through like lists of verbs and lists of of uh like adjectives and things and just trying to find the right words um to to make those combinations because what you want to do right you might have like you might have a spell piece called engulfing okay so now you got to combine engulfing with um with another spell piece that comes from either the earth itself or something in the environment. Right. Yeah. So it might be like, um, engulfing bones, for example. And, um, you know, maybe the spell sets your opponent, uh, ablaze at the core of their bones, right. From within themselves. Sounds uh, truly horrifying. Um, and that's the kind of stuff I wanted to set up, right? I wanted to set up yeah. those like really like uh really horrifying uh gruesome gruesome stuff. Um and so uh the game rewards you for uh for making interesting combinations, but then I had a problem because as a forever GM, uh-huh. I try to make games that don't require a GM. Yeah. And Driven by Harmony is uh, definitely requires a GM. So I put it to uh, folks in the uh, in the Peach Garden Games Discord. I was like this is what I want to do. How can I make that work? And somebody else was like, well, maybe you should try using the magic of names, uh, by, I believe it's Thomas Manuel. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's who said, right. yeah. Who like created a mosaic strict, uh, mechanic for using, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin's magic system. And so you don't get spells from the earth. It's not a it's not necessarily a given that the earth will give you a spell piece. 
you have to have a conversation with the earth. Um, and so you go through this conversation asking, like, do I have permission? Do you want, do you want to be invoked, right? I think is one of the questions. Do you want to be invoked? Am I being selfish? Um, and so you're having this conversation in order to bring out this spell piece from the earth. Uh, but once you have it, you have it and it kicks ass. Yeah. The spell pieces are rad. And when you are going through character creation, you choose a couple and depending on choices that you make throughout the game, one of those right. choices that you make is the member that you're going to be playing. And these are your, your kind of your archetypes or your classes for Medusa's Marauders. Could we go over a few of them and maybe oh, tell us? Yeah, they, they're rad. And could you maybe yeah. tell us some of the, your favorite things in designing them? Um, sure. Um, so I like many, like many great, um, game designers. I take the things that I love and I, uh, and I steal them and put them into my <laughs> stuff. Right. Like, you no, know, it's fair. Um, I mean, stealing is such a strong word. Right. But you know, we're, we're, we're basically like, you know, it's a very remix culture here, right? We take mm -hmm. the things that yeah. we love and we put a new spin on them in our own, in our own stuff. So I took, for example, the member type Elder Lich, right? Was yeah. directly inspired by um, MOBA characters from League of Legends and uh, Heroes of the Storm. One of them is called uh, Thresh, who is like a yeah. ghostly, just nasty motherfucker who um, <laughs> who is kind of like a a send up of death, like the psychopomp, and also like um, sort of like characters. Uh, would it be like Davy Jones kind of thing? So Thresh has chains and hooks and um, has a has a very ghostly voice that's creepy. Um, and then the other one was the Auric from Heroes of the Storm, who is um, a undead king type character. Um, and I took those, combined them, and made the Elder Lich, whose design is essentially, if somebody hits you, you hit back harder. That was sort of the, the design in choosing the uh in choosing the spell pieces and choosing the um the uh specialty right each mm -hmm. each member yeah. type gets a specialty it's a ridiculously powerful move um but the elder the elder lich is definitely supposed to be able to to uh punish you for for picking a fight with them mm -hmm. the the elder lich is one that i really like one of the things that i really like about how you've written these members is the story piece that gives suggestions for if you're looking to play this kind of character 
take a look at this member. Right, right. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I tried to give a little bit of, a little bit of lore, but not too much, and then tell you, this member type is for players who want X, Y, Z, and mm-hmm. that that could be a combination of just like, here are the story beats that you could do with this char- character, um, or, or it might be more practical. Like, uh, here are, like, if you're indecisive right yeah use this member type because there's a lot of uh it's very straightforward or if Mm -hmm. you're on the other end and you're like i i can't commit to something that's very specific so i want something that's customizable you know take this Mm -hmm. member type right yeah and you've actually done some really cool stuff with the the member types as well one of the things you had mentioned a little bit earlier was being able to play GMless as mm-hmm. well as solo play. And that kind of helps them nomad a lot too, which is one of the specific member types. Right. So in motorcycle culture, uh, specifically like motorcycle clubs, and this isn't just outlaw clubs, but like uh, your, your um, neighborhood friendly clubs too. Mm-hmm. Um there is the concept of a nomad who is someone who is a member of the club more broadly, but they don't belong to a specific chapter. And so they basically roam from chapter to chapter, helping out the chapters and like doing, you know, various things. It kind of depends on what the club is about. Right. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it's, uh, you know, the nomad is someone who goes from chapter to chapter, uh, kicking hellspawn ass, right? Um, <laughs> but the nomad is a wanderer, and I wanted that character there because I wanted, uh, I wanted a member type that really, uh, really gave people the freedom and empowered them to play solo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, of course, use the Nomad in in uh, play with other people, but the Nomad is specifically made in mind to empower people to play by themselves. Yeah. It's a really cool member and archetype that fits into the the concept of motorcycle clubs, which this game is clearly steeped in. And reading it, you can tell you have a, a love for motorcycle clubs in, in oh, general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How'd you get involved with that, by the way? Um, So, my dad was into motorcycles. Okay. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't like the Harley Davidson, you know, gotta have like this massive loud hog type thing. Mm-hmm. No, he had like a a Suzuki uh a Suzuki something or another like a and sports bike. Yeah, it was more of a it looked definitely more sports bike. But knowing that he was into motorcycles made me like sort of have that interest in the back of my mind and then mm-hmm. as I got older, you know, then there was sons of anarchy there was uh the short story 
um, Show Goths and Traffic by Tobias Buckle uh, on LeVar Burton Reads. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit. And so I, <laughs> I, I had to do something with that. I... I went and took a safety course and learned how to ride a motorcycle. And, um, I've been, uh, I've been sort of like steeped in motorcycle culture as much as I can be. Um, I live where it's very cold. So there's only like, (laughs) there's only like four, maybe five, if you're lucky months that you can ride. But, yeah, I'm in the same place. <laughs> yeah, we make we make do. We make do. Yeah. I grew up with my best friend's father was very, very into motorcycles and part of a motorcycle chapter. And I just remember the countless hours that we were, the three of us were in the garage with the bike. So maybe this is scratching a nostalgic itch to me that I didn't realize until right now. Oh, but yeah. I yeah, I love it. It's so cool. And the bikes in this game are terrifying and rad. You want to talk a little bit about bikes and what they do? Yeah. So bikes in this game are not just bikes. They are living entities, shall we say? Like, I don't know if we would say living in the sense of, like, they're not pets, right? No. But they definitely have... They are definitely more than just machines. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, the the nightmare, um, it it like breathes like a horse when yeah. you ride it. Um, and you know, uh, one of the consequences of using the abilities that come with bikes is that the bike might eat someone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, don't 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 fuck around with these bikes. Um, yeah, these bikes are not playing around. Um, the idea with bikes is that they are they are supposed to be like an extra resource that you have, in addition to just mm-hmm. like part of the whole theme of like you are in a motorcycle club. Um, the bikes act as an additional resource that you can tap into. So you get extra spell pieces, you get an extra ability, um, and those will help you. But if you're going to use them, it's going to cost you something. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes that is both a flavorful thing and... um, and also like a mechanical thing. So for example, um, the Thanosian Devastator 1312, uh, the consequence for using its abilities is that you start to lose touch with the living. Like mm. you feel, you feel dead, right? Yeah. Um, and then you also take anguish, which is this system's equivalent of harm or stress, and mm. um, and so yeah, that that's sort of how how they work. 
Yeah. Let's actually talk a little bit about anguish because that is a huge part of this game. Mm-hmm. It's more so than just a health pool or a harm pool. It's a resource pool as well. And right. when it gets filled, that doesn't necessarily mean character death. So let's talk a little bit about that design. Right. So anguish comes from a more traditional health pool in um, the Driven by Harmony system but i wanted something that felt more give and take Mm -hmm. so when i created anguish i thought about like you know how a common theme in our fantasy stories is like pushing the boundaries of life and death and i've got a member type that's you know an elder lich so it didn't seem like a stretch to create moves and you know abilities and specialties that play with the exchange of anguish um and also gave me room to uh design combat around the exchange of anguish right Mm -hmm. because when it comes to combat right that's that's where anguish really matters because you are trying to build a dice pool and you've only got 10 anguish before you either ride off into the sunset for a while you die or some other strange thing takes you out of play for the time being yeah and it's up to it's up to your table to decide you know are you going to come back for somehow or is this is this you retiring or are you dead um so there's a lot of freedom there but you're right anguish is a resource not just not just health or stress um a lot of the mechanics for the member types give you the freedom to exchange anguish for success in your roles or uh, give you conditions for changing the outcome of a role yeah Um, that that's kind of the the crux of anguish and what sets it apart from just being a health pool it has a lot of little moving parts it's not crunchy necessarily because it makes a lot of sense when you read the rules us talking about it probably doesn't do a whole lot of justice on how you can utilize anguish because this is one I think you can sit down and read about it and you're like, okay, I get it. It makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of things that can take your anguish. Right. Right. But yeah, it, it, it kind of is a very good narrative story beat piece to show the state of your character. Right. Because anguish doesn't, I mean, one of the reasons why I chose the word anguish, right, mm-hmm. is because it, that puts it in the hands of the player to decide what anguish is, right? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the same thing each time. Uh, anguish could be physical. It could be mental slash emotional. It could be something supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted... I wanted to get away from prescriptive language uh, that 
other systems use to describe what what has a negative impact on uh, a player character. Yeah. Or kind of, it seems like you also wanted to avoid that prescribing a emotion or a state as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I think players are just so much more, you know, even shy players, I have found, like my experience is that whatever a player comes up with is oftentimes so much cooler than whatever bullshit I'm on as I'm writing this (laughs) stuff. So I give suggestions, right? Like if you're, if you're having a brain fart day and you're just trying to get, and you're just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this anguish thing. I give you a list of, of possible, like, here's what anguish looks like for you, or here's a consequence, Mm -hmm. right? And you can use that, but I generally assume that the player is going to want to describe what anguish looks like in that moment. Yeah. I also find that they are either more narratively fitting. There are times where I'll have a player do something. I'll be like, hey, you're being a little harsh on yourself for that. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. So we talked about it a second ago, too, that you build a dice pool. Medusa's Marauders does use a dice pool system. And it uses it for its encounters. It's it's a really interesting system. How does the dice pool system work in this game, though? So you're basically looking at what is it that you're bringing to an encounter, right? This game refers to its combat as encounters as a way of mm-hmm. like acknowledging that there might be there might be things that are not combat, but you might want to play them like combat. Yeah. Um, and at the beginning, you're asking yourself, okay, so what am I bringing to this, right? It might be like a certain skill you have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a spell. It might be, um, or you might just be, you know, uh, cocking your shotgun and pulling the trigger right it 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 could be it could be any of those things and each player contributes their their thing spell ability whatever um they're all contributing their thing then they move on to um actually engaging with the encounter Uh uh-huh and that's when it that's when it really ramps up because you have you know say uh let's say you're rolling warfare right that's your shooty your shooty stabby violence <laughs> skill right yeah um that's your fuck 'em up skill um yeah so you roll uh let's say you're rolling two dice because you have uh you have one point in bold and you have you have the skill warfare so now you're rolling two dice okay so if you get if you get a success on both of those now you have two successes keep a hold of those successes keep track of them because you're bringing those into the fight and each person has to decide okay am i contributing to the dice pool or am i going to try and basically 
advance the goal of defeating this encounter. And you need a certain amount of, of, of successes in your dice pool in order to do that. Yeah. But then the problem is the encounter might hit back. And if you want to be able to block or, or deflect or avoid some sort of consequence from the encounter hitting back, you have to use successes from your pool. So it's a constant balancing act between do I want to do I want to deflect this incoming uh, consequence from the encounter or do I want to just keep hitting it and hopefully I can hit it enough times that I don't I don't get fucked before uh, mm-hmm. before it's down. Yeah, I think it's a really cool system that really heavily lends to the idea of group play and cooperation. Not to say that you need to like be necessarily a team player. Your character can kind of do their own thing. That's what I mean by that. But right. I think it adds to the story flow of this and it inspires really good storytelling. One of the things that really lends to that is edge successes. Yes. Can you yeah. talk about the edge success? Because I thought this was a rad system. In many games, whether it be Powered by the Apocalypse, Forged in the Dark, or even, you know, D&D and D&D clones, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you get a one, that's pretty bad. That's usually going to yep. have some absolutely bad consequence for, for the player character. But in Driven by Harmony, rolling a one means you get an edge success, which means... You still get what you want, but something bad happens in the process. And I leave that up to the players to decide what that looks like, right? It could be, you know, like I think of edge successes in media, right? So it's like, you know, uh, spoilers for The Wrath of Khan if you haven't seen this 40-year-old movie. But, you know, (laughs) this is... This is Spock managing to contain the radiation and stop the ship from from blowing up, right? But Spock dies, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is Spock giving everything to save... He succeeds, but he also dies. Now, you don't have to die just because you got an ex- edge success, but yeah. it's sort of that idea of, like, it costs. This was a Pyrrhic victory. Mm-hmm. It's like... One of the other ones that was kind of uh, thought of, I, I think I saw it on a forum talking about this, was using, like, you're going to hit with your shotgun shell, but it's your last shell. So after the encounter, that's, like, you got no more shots left in you. Right. Right. Yeah. And th- that's something that's just involved in all the systems games. Like, that's a core part of this system, isn't it? Right, that's a core part of uh, Driven by Harmony. I might have leaned into it really hard, mm-hmm. but that's something that's a part of this system, which I think is really great. Like it's a it's a it's a new it's a unique way to fail forward. Yeah. 
on top of designing a whole armada of things to kill, there are forces of nature, consequence tables, and there's a lot more to come. Medusa's Marauders is itch funding right now. What are some of the things that you're hoping to add to the game? Really sick-ass art. Yep. <laughs> I mean... Understandable. <laughs> you know, it, you can go to the game page and see, like, there's a little... You know, there's that little preview image, and it's cool. It's mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but I would really like you to be able to look at the bikes, right? Yeah. I would oh like you gosh. to see these bikes in all their disgusting, scary, uh, vicious detail. Um, and I want, I want there to be like really cool layout, right? If you mm-hmm. read the, if you read the game book, I styled the section for the bikes specifically written like it was ad copy from the back of a magazine that's exactly the feeling i got (laughs) great great because that's what i was going for and so especially when i read the meat rocket i was like ew (laughs) i love it (laughs) (laughs) yep 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 (laughs) <laughs> yep, that's what I was going for. I wanted you to feel that. Um, yeah, um, but I would love for there to be layout that that makes it look like, you know, you turn to the bikes and suddenly you're looking at the back of a magazine, right? Like with mm-hmm. all the ads and, and stuff. Um, so those are the kinds of things that I'm going for. I really want the book to look the way the game feels. Yeah. So that's like the big thing. I'm also really wanting to do like an audiobook version of the game, the game book. Mm-hmm. Um, because I saw that like Tachyon Squadron did that. Um, and I thought that was really, really like a neat accessibility type thing. And also mm-hmm. just a new, a new way to approach game book writing. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you, make it knowing that you might convert it into an audiobook do you write things differently yeah you bet your ass you do write things differently and so i really want this to be as accessible as possible um and i don't have all the expertise needed to make that happen so i want to pay people uh to you know help me make that happen to make the game book as accessible as possible I think that would be really cool. At the end of the day, Medusa's Marauders is a game all about telling stories about powerful women. I think this game nails it. It's unique. There's so much content already. And I think that some people are really going to love it. That being said, we have talked that this is not a game for everybody. And you have really graciously put in at the beginning some other games that help for that like to to help guide people to games that are similar to medusa's marauders but different theming who would you say this game is for though i would say it's for people who watched terminator dark fate and thought damn i want to be linda hamilton or (laughs) i want to be mackenzie davis right like i want to be those women right or you watched um fucking mad max fury road and you were like 
Furiosa is my shit. Uh, <laughs> like, if that's you, right? If you watch this shit and you're like, fuck me up, sign me up. I'm I'm there for it. <laughs> this is the game. This is the game for you, right? Uh, <laughs> that's actually a really good way to put it. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie, we're actually <laughs> Jamie, we're starting to run out of time here, but I want to ask you the two questions that come up at the end of every single one of these episodes. What advice okay. can you give to people wanting to make their own game, but they don't know where to start? All right. This is going to be a little deja vu. Uh, follow your dopamine. <laughs> um, if you see something that gets you excited, uh, look at what they did and just try to like start by just imitating it right mm -hmm. and maybe you'll find things that like oh i kind of want to tweak this thing okay tweak that oh i wonder if i could do this okay do that thing and the more you do that the more you're going to start coming up with your own shit that is going to be awesome right and as long as you're excited about it then that's going to take you so far, so much further than any, like, any bullshit advice that I could write in a blog entry, right? <laughs> yeah, it really will. It will. Let's get it. It's like, it's always great advice. If you're happy with your project, you're going to work on it more. That's just the best way to go right. about it. <laughs> right, right. Follow the shit that makes you excited and exactly. do that. Because it probably makes somebody else excited as well. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, where can people find out more about you and Medusa's Marauders? Also, feel free to plug your other stuff as well. I know that you have your podcast and stuff, so make sure you drop those here too. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Theroblast Games. Um, and that's just shortened. That's Therapeutic Blasphemy Games shortened because Twitter does not let you have a long ass handle. Um, no. So it's Theroblast Games on Twitter. And you can find the game at uh, Therapeutic Blasphemy Games. .io and it is itch funding. Um, so what you get is the, you get the book and as I make improvements to it, you'll get a new file to download. So just know that that's kind of how that works. Um, mm -hmm. I also do a podcast for, uh, around mental health called quiet power. Um, it's all about building up emotional resilience um and uh being able to chill out right i speak in a very chill voice i don't use foul <laughs> language um except for there's there's one episode segment where i do use foul language but i'm very chill 
on this podcast right mm-hmm. and it's just time it's like 10 to 15 minute episodes where you just get to take a second and chill right it's your timeout. Yeah. it's your it's your moment while while smoking a cigarette drinking your coffee in the morning or whatever it is that you do just take take that moment to chill and maybe even learn something as you're as you're going about your day about how to get through the day just a little easier yeah it's also very good and well put together so i highly recommend it thank you (laughs) yeah so you can check that out uh that's also on twitter and facebook actually uh quiet power pod um if you put that in twitter you'll find um you'll find auto-generated links to the uh podcast episodes and you can find it on facebook where i where i do little breakdowns of what each episode is about um and it's on most major podcasting apps uh except maybe pandora because they won't get back to me (laughs) i totally get that don't worry (laughs) As always, audience, all those links are going to be down in the description below. If you think Medusa's Marauders is for you, highly recommend it. Super, super well-written. Incredibly, I'm excited to play it. I'll just put it that. I'm excited to get into a little bit less of a uh, whirlwind time and try this game out. So, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I, as a fan of the show, I'm excited to be on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I loved having you on. It was great. Audience, thank you for listening. Jamie and Medusa's Marauders, they are scheduled for launch, and you can already go pick up that itch funded version. So they're partially launched right now. Go get it. Take care of yourselves. Have a good night. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Jamie for joining me on the show this week. I really did mean it when I said that this is one of the coolest games I have gotten a chance to look over in a long time. It's really visceral and written in such a unique way. I love it. I adore it. So make sure you go and give Jamie a hand. It's fun this thing. It's great. Also, just wanted to say mic quality thing. I know some of you may have noticed that tin noise, but if you're listening to this... I think I fixed it. It might be in the next couple episodes. Not sure yet. We haven't edited them. Also, hey listeners, Goblin Game Jam started on Sunday. If you aren't in there yet, you should join us. I've been really working hard on the things I'm trying to punch out while I'm trying to do some more podcast stuff for you. Speaking of which, if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, why not tell someone about it on the internet? Word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. And growing's good. Next week, I have the pleasure of sharing a conversation I had with Danny about Dungeons with Plumbing. I think you're all going to really enjoy it. Until next time, take care. I'll see ya.